Episode 25 of The Pawcast, a show all about pets, veterinary medicine, all things animals. I am Dr. Lauren, your host, veterinarian, internal medicine specialist. And I am just special. My name is David Epstein. I am Lauren's co-host, animal lover, and... uh, just here to say and hello. What else? <laughs> I don't know. And what I, else? I'm an actor. I'm a voice actor, and I am a a lover of all things fuzzy and all things Lauren. And a lover of making Rambling. his introduction as long as possible. <laughs> yes, you're just special, babe. Um, so episode today, uh, we've gotten lots of feedback that you, as our audience members, really love these ask the vet segments. So that is going to be our focus today, getting through kind of as many of these ask the vet questions as we can. Uh, All of these have come in from you. And so if you're listening and you're like, oh, I have actually a lot of questions, then write us. Uh, Facebook, YouTube, email, however you want to ask us your vet questions. The podcast TV or the tiny vet are where you want to reach out and, uh, and send your questions. Uh, and we'll answer them, or Lauren will answer them, yeah, and I'll, I'll David, ask them. Let's not pretend you're not answering anything. <laughs> okay. And don't forget, we've got some trivia. You say that you're not. I'm not answering any questions. I am going to answer this trivia question. That is true. I always forget the trivia, but that's like really important. Well, as I'm losing my different parts on this on this show, trivia is the one thing that I've hold, held on to. So don't cut this out yet. Okay, trivia man, rambling trivia man. How many flowers do bees need to visit to produce a pound of honey? Is it 500, 5,000, 500,000, or 2 million flowers? And the answer, folks, is honeybees will tap about 2 million flowers to make one pound of honey. And in doing so, they're actually going to be flying 50,000 miles or 80,000 kilometers. How much do you think one pound of honey is? Because I have honey in my tea every single day. I wonder how long it takes me to consume a pound of honey. That's a lot of work for those bees. A lot of work for those bees. Yeah, I think that's a good question. Any any uh, hive experts out there? Let's ask the hive. Yeah. See what, what we got. Bees have made a huge comeback. I just recently finished. Uh, they make it come back in terms of like population or what? No, like in terms of like popularity in the media and shows. I just finished binging Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Aiden, have you watched Wednesday yet? No. Most popular show on Netflix currently it is, has recently beat out Stranger Things as the most watched show within a week period. Oh, where's the bees come in? Anyways, there's bees in, no. there's bees in Wednesday. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's why. Yeah, the bees are a very important part of Wednesday. Um, anyways, okay. With me enlightening you about bees in the media. We are on to our Ask the Vet question where hopefully I'm going to answer much more specific questions related to veterinary medicine. Let's see what we got. Um, okay. So this question comes in from the friendly vet. Uh, do you have an underrated tip to get the most out of our dog's senior years? Yeah, so senior pet, senior vet medicine is a huge topic. We actually recently had um, Dr. Monica, a.k.a. Uh, senior dog doc on an episode we did a whole segment on how to best you know improve quality of life for senior pets so 
definitely shout out to that episode. Um, I'm actually working with Dr. Monica on some continuing education for veterinarians like the Friendly Vet on um, how to best manage senior pets. So stay tuned for that. Um, but an underrated tip to get, to get the most out of your dog's senior years. I mean, I think the biggest thing is continue to keep them active, continue to keep them engaged. You know, just because they are older doesn't mean they just have to sit at home and on the couch. You know, continue to give them that inspiration to stay young. Mm-hmm. So active, engaged, keep doing the things that you always did with them and allowing them to explore and, and really appreciate life. Right. And did was there some kind of a correlation to exercise and dementia with dogs? Did you not tell me something about that? Possibly. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think there was possibly increased activity, decreases dementia. And I think in general, like dogs, just in terms of aging, dogs that are more active are less likely to have other ailments of yeah. any kind. Yeah. It's good to know. Um, this comes from the from Walter the Rescue Dog. On a budget, what kind of pet insurance should one buy? Accident and illness only, or should they include a wellness plan? Yeah, so there's lots of different types of pet insurance out there. A lot of different companies, a lot of different plans. Some of these, as uh, Walter the Rescue Dog, or maybe his owner, uh, alluded to, would be you know those that just cover accident and illness versus those that might include more of your wellness visits. So taking your, your vet to you know for their annual wellness exams and vaccines, you know uh, prophylactic dental cleanings. A lot of the emergency plans don't cover that. I would say if you're on a budget probably the best thing to do would be to focus on the emergencies because those are going to be the ones to rack up most likely those $10,000 bills, potentially mm-hmm. surgery, emergency surgeries, emergency hospitalizations. So to me, if you're prioritizing between wellness versus emergency, I would say emergency because they're going to be the more expensive and often the reason why you have to make a life or death decision regarding your pet's health. If your pet you know, comes in and they've, you have a dachshund and they've blown a disc in their back and they need an $8,000 back surgery. That's obviously, if you have to pay 10% of that, $800, it's going to be a lot easier of a decision to make right. versus paying that full 8000 um, Whereas your wellness visits, you know, you are paying exam and vaccines, but it may be, you know, a few hundred dollars once a year as opposed to a bigger, a bigger chunk of change. Yeah. From Piper Ella the Elk Hounds, is IMPA a losing battle? We're going to have to first talk about what IMPA is because as a question asker, <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen a pet able to live without lots of meds again? Yeah, so IMPA stands for Immune Mediated Polyarthritis. I knew it. Which means it's immune mediated condition affecting <laughs> multiple joints. So it's kind of like rheumatoid arthritis in people, but they don't, most cases of IMPA in dogs, they don't have the erosive component. So they have inflammation without the actual bone erosion, most cases. Um, And I think that's probably the version that uh, uh, Piper has, the elk count. Actually, Ella used to be my patient in Calgary. Mm. Um, And so this condition, like most immune-mediated conditions, is managed by suppressing the immune system. And there are a good portion of dogs that can either come off the medications after a period of time, usually several months. Once the inflammation's under control, we can wean them off those immunosuppressive agents, whereas others do need more of a kind of lifelong, lowest effective dose. So it really depends on the patient. I see this condition quite often 
often. And I would say in my experience, it's about 50-50. The hard cases are when they really need those high doses of immune suppressing agents to control their disease. And we aren't able to wean them off because those can have quite a few side effects. So I'm not sure where Piper's at in her, you know, treatment or diagnoses, but um, I think it's definitely a condition that can be managed and is one that I see really good results with most of the time. But I do have patients that sometimes, just like a human with rheumatoid arthritis, they may need to take medications lifelong to keep it under control. Hmm. Okay. While we're speaking about meds, um, this is from Jamie Marshall, 33. Coda's ear infection came back after finishing her meds. Why? Uh, Jamie Marshall. I used to dance with Jamie Marshall my whole life. (laughs) We danced together since we were like, I think like eight. So yeah. Hi, Jamie. Um, And I, oh, what kind of dance? Um, All sorts of dancing. We were in a performing arts company called the Young Canadians Together, which is in Calgary. And we would do the uh, Calgary Stampede, the big grandstand show. We would perform in the grandstand show every year. So it was pretty fun. Yeah, you can look me up. I was a little twirling tap dancing. And I don't know why you're, despite a career of dancing on these huge stages, you just can't dance very well around the house nowadays. I don't know what happened. I'm a really good dancer, but like I excel with like show tunes dancing because of <laughs> yeah, my, you, like that is where I excel. Like me reenacting Hamilton. Uh, you, you Hamilton. Did, yeah. you, you've got some things down pat. I'm very good. Um, Okay, let's get back to Jamie's question, which is about her dog's ear infection. Actually, Coda, I also treated in Calgary. Um, She had, she was losing weight, looked really sick. We found out she had food allergies, put her on the right diet. She's doing great from that perspective. Wonderful. Um, As far as the ear infection goes, when dogs have multiple ear infections, like they clean, clear up, but then they develop ear infections again, most of the time there's an underlying cause for that. Um, usually it can be something like allergies. So I don't know, Jamie, are you feeding her something other than her hypoallergenic diet? Because maybe that's triggering her ear infections. Um, we can see things like hypothyroidism, so low thyroid, other hormonal disorders like Cushing's disease um, can potentially lead to chronic ear infections. Um, and then just environmental allergies um, can also contribute as well. So uh, lots of different factors. So if your dog or cat is having chronic ear infections, you need to talk to your vet about underlying causes and investigating for those, not just continuing to treat the infections because eventually they may become resistant to the treatments we're giving. There are also board certified dermatologists, um, just like I'm, I'm a board certified internal medicine specialist. There are boarded veterinary dermatologists that you can uh, get referred to that can really, their focus is really on skin and ears. So, hmm. okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So I think we have time for one more question. Here's a question from Marianne Burkay. My dog's blood work is indicating giant platelets. Should I be worried? So platelets are a type of blood cell that are involved in clotting. So when you bleed, little platelets come to the rescue. They all stick together and they form a blood clot. So that's kind of how platelets work. Um, so giant platelets usually mean that the platelets are immature. They're coming from the bone marrow before they've had a chance to mature and get smaller. And sometimes that can indicate that the bone marrow is releasing more platelets because there's a need for more platelets. Um, Sometimes that can be because the platelet count is low. And sometimes it can be um, just sometimes they just get released. So it really depends on what the actual platelet count is if I care about giant platelets. So if the platelet count's normal and there are some giant platelets, probably don't care too much. Whereas if the platelet count is low and there's giant platelets, 
that's more of a big deal and needs to be investigated. There are also some breeds that just gener- uh, genetically have larger platelets. Um, so if your dog, I'm not sure what type of dog uh, your dog is, but a Cavalier, they can have larger platelets. There's certain um, breeds like Akitas that can have genetically larger platelets. So uh, also depends on the breed. Sometimes there's certain breeds where they have big platelets and I'm like, yeah, that's just breed related. Interesting. Okay. So lots of possibilities. I guess maybe, okay, we have time for one more question. That was a quick one. Uh, So here's a question. Is there anything to absolutely include on my vet school application? Yeah, so vet school application. We actually are going to have an episode, a little mini episode talking about um, kind of- A whole episode for all our future vets? future vets. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. But I- I guess I would say, you know, just in terms of like a little teaser, anything you should absolutely include, um, experience, any and all possible experience with animals prior to getting in vet school, into vet school is key. It's not just about grades. It's about your experience. So and did you, did you do anything fun to, to, to volunteer or anything yourself? Oh, I, yes. And I, we will talk about that in more depth, but I had multiple jobs some of which I got paid for, some of which I didn't. But uh, yeah, so stay tuned. We're going to have a YouTube episode uh, all about how uh, vet, uh, pre-vet or, you know, students can help uh, themselves get into vet school. All the things you need to know. All right. Well, stay tuned for that. <laughs> David's my all rights. So I'm getting a lot. Um, let's finish up with some trivia. David, what is the big question of the day? The big trivia question of the day. What color is a hippo's sweat? Is it clear? Is it white? Is it black? Or is it red? Mm-mm-mm. Hungry, hungry hippos. I just love hippos. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I love them too. There was a hippo at the Calgary Zoo that was so nice. I, you can brush your teeth. I have a, I have a picture. We'll, we'll throw that up on... Uh, on our Instagram, yeah, I would brush her teeth. She's great. And hippos, like, I follow, like, all the baby hippos that are being born at all the different zoos. They're, like, the cutest freaking animals ever, baby hippos. They're very cute. But they are they can be very scary. And very sweaty. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about, like, not, like, African wild hippos. Those are some of the most dangerous animals you can potentially approach. Don't try brushing their teeth. <laughs> Alrighty, I think that's a good place to end off for today. We hope you enjoyed our Ask the Vet episode. Um, if you have questions, again, reach out, let us know. You could be featured on a future episode. Stay tuned for our everything vet school related YouTube video that's going to be coming up. Until next week, I am Dr. Lauren. And I'm a sweaty, sweaty hippo named David. <laughs> and this is, is the, the podcast. podcast.